Nobody questions things in this country anymore. Nobody wants to rock the boat. It's all bullshit, folks. It's all bullshit, and it's bad for you. But we believe them because they're pounded into our heads from the time we're children. Children should be taught to question everything, to question everything they read, everything they hear. Welcome to Question Culture with Brian and Lornette. On each episode, Lornette and I discuss and question conventional wisdom about a topic we believe is important. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Q Culture. That's Q-U-E-C-U-L-T-U-R-E. There we share the links to the documentaries, articles, and books we reference on each episode. On today's episode, we'll be questioning billionaires. How's it going, Lornette? Hey, what's going on, Brian? What's going on to our uh, Question Culture listeners? Uh, Shout out to all those who checked us out. Uh, Lornette Vestal, he, him, bad motherfuckers for all you people who hate the pronouns, even though we use them in English language all the time. Um, Learn Investor, you can follow me on X, Twitter, whatever it's called this week, uh, at Evolving Man LBB. You can also check me out on Facebook uh, for my haters. You can yell shit at me on, on the Book of Faces, like the one guy that called me a little bitch for writing an article for my job. So, so, so shout out to that guy. Uh, shout out to my haters. <laughs> and like Cat Williams said, if you ain't got motherfucking haters, then you ain't doing shit motherfucking right. <laughs> uh, I don't think he sounds like that, but that's my best impression of the man. Also, um, Christmas, if you got a reader in your family or you got someone who likes comic books and adventures, uh, you can get the Fader and Alpha series. Uh, Fader is an Alpha series. Uh, the series, book series written by myself and my lovely wife, Bernita Haynes, who was on our uh, Supreme Court um, podcast. You can check that out that we recorded last year. Uh, we got Even the Fader's first book, I and Alpha second books. Uh, anywhere books are show, sold, you can check it out at Powell's Books. Or if you... Uh, have no choice but to go to from the great Satan Amazon. You can you can do that too, but prefer you go to an indie bookshop. But do what you gotta do. I understand. Um, yeah. So today we'll be talking about the uplifting. How we're gonna this podcast is gonna be. It's like the Man of Spirit podcast. We're gonna tell people how to become billionaires, even though we're not billionaires ourselves. Because if you're not 18 <laughs> and driving a Ferrari, you fucking lost it, life. Right? <laughs> Just work 90 hours and you'll be good to go. Um, no, just just work, just drive a Ferrari, and you know, I mean, you just be born. I mean, you got to be born rich to drive a Ferrari eighteen. But you know, that's what those folks don't tell you. I know, just you know, just have your dad, you know, give you a small, you know, four hundred k investment in your business, and you're good to go. I don't see how this is difficult. Yes, yeah, then you're Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah. But or uh, have your no, dad so- own an emerald mine, you know, like Elon Musk. You know, I mean, he he worked hard and made himself a, a billionaire. All right, Brian, hard work. Yes, he has, he has the genius ideas of naming fucking everything X. Um, but uh, I didn't know. I knew, you know, obviously everyone knows about Twitter, but I didn't know he like also tried to do that with PayPal and everyone was just and like, I guess, you know, they like voted on it, obviously. And, you know, nobody voted for X. Everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? Like, I don't know why he's obsessed with trying to name everything like a porn site. But I don't whatever. know. Maybe he maybe he's a big fan of Malcolm X. I don't know. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe um but uh, no so the the inspiration for this episode really came from back when uh there was that um submarine full of billionaires that imploded at the bottom of the ocean trying to look at the titanic and uh most of us online had a good chuckle about it but uh i had two friends who um y- you know i think they they 
were trying to show their empathy and they were they you know they they were kind of distraught that we were all making fun of you know people dying and i kind of talked about talked with it uh, talked about the situation with them and they it kind of struck me i mean i don't and i you know i'm sure it's not just my two friends I, i'm sure there's a lot of people in this capitalist society who don't understand why being a billionaire is intrinsically you know evil and bad um, cause when I kind of talked about, it, they're like, well, how do you know? Not all billionaires, you know, maybe some of them are bad, but it's, and, but no, all fucking billionaires are evil ass motherfuckers. And, um, you know, with that topic, I'm sure <laughs> since we have a pretty anti-capitalist podcast, I'm sure most of our listeners, a lot of this will be preaching to the choir. Um, but I did want to do it just as kind of an overall encompassing why, you know, people on the left say things like eat the rich and all billionaires are evil and things. So hopefully this episode will just be a good reference if, um, you know, any of our listeners have had this experience where people don't, you know, a lot of people just think billionaires are just someone who had a good idea and is good at business. So, you know, we should all aspire to be billionaires. But uh, hopefully this podcast will sh- uh, serve as an example of why Brian, I don't see uh, you probably should be a having of a scorn. whole planet full of billionaires. We, we can all be billionaires. Once the revolution comes, we'll all be billionaires. We just got to work hard. And that's the problem with people. They don't want to work hard. They're lazy. Am I talking to Lornette or Milton Friedman? <laughs> I, at first of all, I went to University of Chicago, and that man is a legend. Oh, that's right. That's he has right. a whole building dedicated to him <laughs> because his economic <laughs> ideas were spot on. Uh, you just don't understand uh, economics. That's the problem right there, Brian. That's why, that's why economists get Nobel Prizes and sociologists get made fun of, all right? <laughs> they write books about critical race theory and socialism, and no one reads them while econ- economists are winning Nobel Prizes because we come up with complex mathematical theories on making sure that rich people stay rich or get richer. I, I could say it's genius. But don't worry, a little bit of that will trickle down to you peasants and then, you know, maybe you might get a you might get a few crumbs. All right. So I think we should start. We've mentioned this fact um, several times on the podcast, but I think it's um, worth pointing out um, how much a billion really fucking is, because that's not a number that our minds are have evolved to comprehend. So the stat we always reference is that, you know, try and put in perspective is a million seconds is roughly 12 days. A billion seconds is roughly 32 years. So when we're, you know, talking, when when you're comprehending someone who's a billionaire, this isn't somebody who started a plumbing company and they were really good at what they did and it took off. Like, there's no way you can get to a billion doing something like that. And we're going to get into a lot of what I would consider immoral behavior and it you you we're going to share lots of examples and billionaires have had to do all of these evil things to become billionaires there's not just one of these examples that they can follow and become a billionaire the math won't work out you have to do all of these evil tactics to become a billionaire and i also want to point out that what we're promoting on this podcast is creating structural change so that billionaires don't can't exist in the first place I do understand that all human beings are products of our environment. So if I was grew up in the situation that a lot of billionaires grew up in, I would be just like them playing by the same rules because I'm, you know, it's really they're, they're playing a game that we're all playing. 
Um, they just happen to be fortunate enough to be in the right circumstances and get lucky to where they can have the pr- profit. And I wouldn't even fucking say lucky because as we'll get into, you got to have a pretty sick fucked up mind to become a billion in the first place. So I don't even want to be one from that perspective. But I just do want to promote, and I always promote this with the podcast, is there's no one person to blame or one you know, one thing to do to fix the problem. Um, we could, you know, all go out and kill, you know, all the billionaires right now. But if we don't change the system at all, there will just be a new, you know, person to step into that spot. So right, yeah, the CIA at our door now. Change. Yeah, yeah, the FBI no. <laughs> is gonna come a knocking. <laughs> I don't know. You guys said eat the rich, and you meant it. And after we eat the rich, <laughs> we raid their fancy pantries. And get their fifty dollar ice cream. Shout out to Nancy Pelosi. That uh, that's something I wish too is like people would stop focusing so much on politicians. Like they're the you know people think of them they're the heads of state. They're the leader of the free world. They're not. The billionaires control the fucking politicians. Po- politicians are spokespeople for billionaires. So that you know every once in a while you get one of those loudmouth billionaires like Elon Musk. That's why we always focus on him. But for every Elon Musk, there's fucking a thousand other billionaires who just remain in the shadows and, and govern the world um, from their boardrooms and their golf courses rather than being on TV talking shit. And they also like pay off politicians of all stripes to do their fucking bidding. Mm-hmm. So to start, um, what we kind of wanted to do is kind of go through like the evolution of a business and explain how bi- the kind of tactics that billionaires use to become billionaires to kind of show examples of why they're immoral and evil. So to start, I think we need to just start with, you know, just starting a business, how that works and how, you know, the, the types of businesses that billionaires start and things like that. And so um, we're always taught this lesson that like, oh, you know, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and uh, uh, who's the Apple guy? Steve you, you know, Jobs. They all, they, Steve Jobs. They all started in a garage, you know, and they were when in actuality, all most of the billionaires in the world came from already well-off parents. Bill Gates' parents, his father was a partner in a law firm, Preston Gates and Ellis. His mother was on the board of directors for First Interstate Bank System and the United Way. Um, and that's actually, she was also, I think, on the board of IBM, so he got a lot of startup money for well, yeah, that. He, she introduced him to execs from IBM. So that, that if you want to start a computer company, no executives in another computer company. Exactly. Um, Elon, as you know, Lornette mentioned, uh, Elon Musk's dad owned an emerald mine in South Africa. His mom was a model. Jeff Bezos' parents invested 250 k in Amazon, I think, within like the first year the company started. So, Brian, I got a question for you. So if, if me and you want to start a business, could you go to your, your mom and dad and ask them for, um, let, let's, let's, let's just keep it simple. We don't have to go Jeff Bezos' family. Let's say $100,000. Would they be able to give that to you comfortably to start your business? I could contact every member in my family, and I wouldn't be able to pull anything close to that. <laughs> and if I called my parents and was like, hey, mom, dad, I need $100,000 to start up my uh, company. They would probably be like, Lornette, are you, are you, are, are you smoking the marijuana? Are you high? <laughs> are you drunk? Are you just fucking with us? They're like, no, no, I need this money. So that's like regular people don't have that type of capital just sitting around. So it means that his family was extremely well off to even give him $250,000 to invest in a startup company, which would become Amazon, which is the behemoth that it is today. 
And it's not just having the startup money, it's also having the connections. So that's another point. And is that most of these, it's it's that you most of these billionaires, they grew up in a culture of wealth where they know other wealthy people. And I actually found this uh, interesting article in Forbes where it said the article, the title of it was more than one fourth of America's 400 richest went to one of these 12 colleges. And let me guess one of those colleges were Harvard was Harvard, <laughs> yes. Harvard, Yale, Princeton. Dude, it's funny you got them. Keep going. You, you got them uh, so far. Stanford, University of <laughs> yep, Chicago, yep, Emory, yep. <laughs> Elite. Did you El- say Yale? I said Yale. I said yep. Yale and Princeton. Yep, Cornell's on the P- list. UPenn. So, so it's not just that you have the, you know, a lot of these people are given money as investments, but it's also being able to have the connections of other wealthy people to get that startup money. Like I said, I could contact all my friends, all my family. I went to fucking Northern Illinois University. I don't know fucking people like that. We're all, you know, working to to just get by from paycheck to paycheck. And not just having the connections, but then also having the free time to be that you're well enough off to go find investors, you know, because, you know, you know, a lot of yuppies will always say, well, just go find some investors. I don't know about you, but I'm fucking working eight, nine hours a day. Then I got to fucking take care of my house and, you know, try and exercise so I don't die of a heart attack at 40. You know, so like we're, we're busy fucking people. We don't, you know, have time to. And, and that's another thing is like, all right, maybe you could go that extra mile to use any of your free time to invest. But maybe there's some of us who don't, you know, want to play that business game. And so should we be cast to, you know, poverty forever because we don't want to play this capitalist well, yes. gangbang? You know how, like the Republicans said in 2012, when they were like, we build it, we build it. I mean, they always say they build stuff because they're job creators and all that stuff. But it's actually the workers that build stuff. So I love the people who are like, you you commies, you're you're, you're tweeting about socialism for your iPhone. Like, workers built the iPhone. So that, that makes perfect sense. Exploited workers, but workers nonetheless. It wasn't like fucking Steve Jobs when he was alive was in that Apple factory painstakingly making every single iPhone that was ever made, putting it all together. He probably didn't even know how the fucking iPhone worked. He probably didn't even know how the computer worked because he was not a tech guy. He was a, he was a fucking marketing guy. So, and then let's yeah. talk about the hero. Let's talk about Disney, the Disney Corporation, uh, one of the most evil, soulless corporations on earth. Uh, shout out to the MCU. Um, Walt Disney did not draw Mickey Mouse. Nope. That was not that was not Walt Disney. He had a friend who was an artist. His friend drew Mickey Mouse. Then has Disney started to you know become what it what it would be known as as a you know the company that would become um, his his lead artist created other cartoons. Uh, Donald Duck. Uh, all these all these prominent Disney old school cartoons that like made Walt Disney very rich. He knew how to market things. Um, and his friend artists, when the company really got big and the artists were making these movies and stuff, and his friend who was an artist decided to like work with the other artists to unionize. And Walt Disney fired his friend and all the artists that wanted to unionize. <laughs> so, so, so that's a great ally. That So basically, Walt Disney would not be the man he, he became, even though he was a racist asshole who was, um, yeah, he was he was basically like, horrible <laughs> a horrible human being um which is funny because he crafted an image of being like a kid forever but he was really like a terrible human being but he uh but, but, you know he called it socialism i dare my workers unionize and my right like the fucking guy who helped him basically become who he became, made his money he fired so that shows how much an asshole he was 
and he's from and he's from my hometown. He's from Chicago. And that's that's most billionaires. When you look into their story, you actually find out that they weren't they didn't come up with the idea. They usually just bought it or stole it from someone else. I mean, Elon Musk with Tesla is another example where he didn't start Tesla. That was already, you know, they the, the they already had the patents for that and stuff, and he just bought it up. Just like Twitter. And now he's so stupid, like he's messing up Twitter. And like it was already like the name was there. You send a tweet out, like it had all the branding that you needed. And he bought it and it was like, We're gonna call it X. We're going to do all this stupid shit, and then I'm going to just be spewing conspiracy theories on here and losing all my uh, advertisers. So basically, the fucking stock of Twitter is going to go in a toilet um, or X now, whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, it sounds like a porn site, like uh, Brian said, but even porn sites have a, enough sense to be like, we're not going to call ourselves X rated. We know we sell X rated movies, but at least we'll come up with something clever like Pornhub or RedTube. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know those things. How do you know about that, Lorna? I don't know. I did I did research for this podcast. It was research for this podcast. And we had a couple of guests, you know, I had to, you know, <laughs> research on them too. <laughs> respectfully, respectfully, of course. Um, yes, respectfully. Well, that's another thing when you like read history is you find that when I don't know. We've kind of been taught that like ideas are like this one person had this idea and then shared it with the world and it exploded and spread. But when you actually look into patent history, you'll find that with most inventions, there are people who simultaneously come up with the same idea in different places. And then because of our, you know, capitalist finance system, they then have to fight each other for who gets the patent so they can make the money off it. Well, the thing is, like with these billionaires, like, you know, Elon Musk is a prime example. We're beat up on him because he's like the flavor of the week. But there's other you know billionaires in the past who portrayed themselves as like these hardworking, super smart geniuses. And then you mix that up with the Protestant work ethic that you know pervades western civilization especially um based off the you know um well english society british society um and the america is the brad bastard child of the uk um and it's just products and work ethic so they were really smart they worked hard really really hard and that's why they became super successful billionaires um not not the fact that many of them didn't work hard and they had a leg up on the most 99 percent of people and like a lot of their ideas, they either invested in, and took over that company, bought it out, or stole it flat out, or you know took an idea from one of their colleagues and fired them, or you know basically stepped over their corpse to uh, to claim the prize, uh, which is all that money. Yeah, and I I just wanted to emphasize that. So like the you know the the time kind of comes for these ideas. It's not that you know this person who came up with this idea existed in a vacuum they were products of their environment and the environment and it was the environment was ready for whatever changed happened so that's why you see when they're you know people claim for patents that there's so many coming together at the same time it's because they're out there we're all existing together we're social creatures we're you know throwing ideas back and forth off each other and there's there's you know vibes obviously we can all recognize and things so it's just another case of this hyper individuality this myth of capitalism with the, that like one person against everyone else when really we're all cooperating and all these ideas are floating out there and people who benefit off them were just happened to be like you know you look at like something like jeff bezos with amazon it's like selling books 
but online. Whoa, what a crazy idea. No, he just happened to be living in a time where the internet was coming around. He was in the financial situation where he could start to do this online. And then it spreads from there. It's not like they're, you know, crazy geniuses. And this was another article that we'll share that I found on Yahoo Finance, which I think was funny when I was looking up like, you know, because people always when they, you know, question you know, lefty ideology. Oh, what are your sources on this? And, you know, they're always questioning the sources. Well, all these sources I have from these episodes are, like, from financial institutions. Oh, yeah. When I was doing some research on this, too, Brian, it was, like, it was some articles that were really, you know, honest and straightforward. But there were some... Did you run into, like, fluff piece articles basically being, like, these billionaires aren't bad and, like, they, they, they worked hard to get their money. Did you run across those articles? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I ran across several articles like that. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, but so, okay, so this one was from Yahoo Finance, um, and the title was Billionaires Are Actually Less Intelligent Than Lower Paid People, New Study Shows. And it goes on to describe the comprehensive study conducted by researchers from the University of Sweden in the, uh, in, uh, the, oh, wait, uh, yeah, uni- University of Sweden. Um, oh, I guess it was a bunch of different universities University of Sweden, University, European University Institute in Italy, and University of Amsterdam in the ne- Netherlands. Analyzed data from 59,400 men who took a military conscript test when they were young adults. The researchers then meticulously tracked their career trajectories, earnings, and job prestiges over the decades from when they were 35 until when they turned 45. The results showed a strong relationship between intelligent and er uh, a strong relationship between intelligence and earning potential until the figure exceeded 64,000 a year. Beyond this point, the correlation became almost negligible. At the highest pay scales, intelligence plateaued, suggesting other factors such as socioeconomic background, culture, personality traits, and luck became the more significant factors. So that makes sense, right? Like up up to 64K, obviously you need some basic, you know, how to read, how to do math, some basic social skills to, you know, get a middle-class income. That's why a lot of us had to go to college for our professions, right? But beyond that, it's all just about your circumstance and how lucky you are with, you know, different situations you're in and things like that. It's not that you're some, you know, billion... And I and I, <laughs> I just can't believe... People who believe billionaires have to be hyper-intelligent have to be people who never watch what billionaires do. Because when you actually watch them and read about what they do... They're fucking morons, just like the rest of us. Oh, yeah, and sometimes even bigger morons. They just have a large cushion. And it's this great thing in this country that we're, you know, we're sold this dream because we think one day we'll be all at the Met Gala hanging out with Donald Trump and Elon Musk and and Rihanna and, and, and all the famous, you know, celebrities and movie stars and sports athletes and stuff like that. And in reality, that's, that's absolute fantasy for 99% of people. And this whole idea that um you know if you work hard and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps um you'll become a billionaire as he said before it's a great it's a great thing like um uh, the liberal group united for a fair economy has done heavy lifted on forbes bootstrappers in its report uh, because forbes did a um, report they always do every year the 400 richest u.s billionaires and they talk about like how they all came from like over 70 percent of them made their fortunes entirely from scratch you know there's like they didn't have anything and they just be they pulled themselves up out of their bootstraps by themselves and became a billionaire um well this report found out that many of these folks 
were born on third base, like have we talked about earlier. It shows a vast majority of the country's plutocrats or billionaires either inherited their money or had significant help from family members. And like we said before, like in this in the same report says just 35% of those Forbes 400, and this is from a couple few years back, so this is like 2012, 2011, only, only 35% of these Forbes were raised poor or middle class compared to 95% of the broader public. So there's a small percent that you will be making it to the billionaire class. I don't care who you are, <laughs> who you fuck, <laughs> or how smart you think you are. Like if you, most likely you have to be work hard. You know, you'll see Tim Kardashian be like, you know what, people are, are don't have success like I do because they don't do the work. Well, you know what, Kim, it's very easy to do the work when your dad was already a super rich attorney. <laughs> I think that's part that that's a way that the media perpetrates this myth, too, is because we're constantly bombarded with the images of wealthy people. So we think it occurs more often than it actually does. So, for example, I can turn on the TV and see LeBron play basketball every almost every single fucking day. And so you look at, you know, and then you have baseball and you have football and you have all these athletes. So you think in your head. Oh, you know, that must be, you get so used to it. It's so, it's so common to you that it seems like it's something common that occurs. It's not. The odds, if you play basketball, the odds of you becoming LeBron James are lower than the odds of you winning the fucking lottery. So like it, you know, because we constantly, rich people are constantly on TV because they own the fucking TV, you know, companies or work with people who do and things like that, that we're, we're, it's kind of like how commercials work on us. Like we're, you know, we're so used to seeing Wendy's that when we get hungry, we think that, oh, okay, we can go to Wendy's as an option. You know, it's been implanted in our mind that that's an option. And it's the same thing with rich people. We constantly see them. So we constantly have this idea that, oh, it's a common thing that we must all be able to achieve when in actuality, it's extremely, extremely rare to become, you know, people, the people ultra wealthy like that or ultra famous like that. Yeah, and we're talking about the billionaires that are in the public eye that we know. There's a shit ton more who are behind the scenes and let me tell you the, every aspect of your life is influenced by these fuckers because they have access to the halls of power and when I say access I'm talking about like these fuckers have presidents and fucking presidents on their fucking on their speed dial they have fucking politicians on their speed dial if they want a meeting if Jeff Bezos wants a meeting with Joe Biden he'll get a meeting with Joe Biden All right. in fact Joe Biden calls Jeff Bezos to set up a meeting with him. So you think, oh, the president has all this power. Yeah, they they might have, you know, be able to go bomb a country, which, you know, they like to do. Uh, but they're bombing that country uh, because they're economic donors. They're, they're donors. Our owners, I mean, our, they're corporate donors. I mean, they're donors. They're sponsors. <laughs> uh, tell them that this is a country you need to bomb because we need to go get their fucking oil. We need to go get that cobalt. We need to go get the resources. We need to support this puppet dictatorship this puppet democracy in order to fucking they'll do our bidding they won't so we got to make sure they win so we'll fucking have the cia intervene and throw a coop and people can be like oh brian Lurnett, you're making your stuff up oh my god how do you say this where are your where's your sources i mean you can the fucking you can go to wikipedia that's and people can be like well wikipedia is not a great source but it's it's a general open to the public as long as you have an internet connection and you can go find this shit out. Just go look at CIA coops. And you can fucking you see that Dole Fruit Company 
was responsible for a fucking overthrow in Latin America. <laughs> so, so something as benign as fucking banana companies can be influential in the political arena. What do you think these uh, tech CEOs and billionaires are fucking doing to get these precious metals that go into our cell phones and our computers? They are exploiting resources, primarily from the global south. Okay, so let's say so you let's say you're you got your start startup money, you started a business, and let's say you know oh it is a great you know you got some new gizmo that the fucking public loves and they're selling like hotcakes, and so you're you're on your way. What do you do next? So just having a successful business is not enough to become a billionaire. Uh, example: I just uh, went ho- back to my hometown for a little bit and went back to a mom and pop family owned pizza place. They they've been there my entire life. Everybody in town loves them. High school, we would always go there. Um, everybody loves the pizza. They're not fucking billionaires. And there's a reason why. So when you have a, a successful business, things that you have to do to start extracting enough wealth to become a billionaire, the first thing is wage theft, underpaying your employees. Um, so there's illegal versions of that. So that'd be denying meal breaks and bathroom breaks, which you see with Amazon making their truck drivers pissing cups and shit like that, cutting, cutting bathroom breaks, um, making illegal deductions for employees pay, illegally making adjustments to employees worked hours, overworking salaried employees who are, you know, are exempt from OT. So you, you don't pay them overtime, but then you make them work overtime hours, making people work unpaid hours. Um, and illegal wage theft is most common in, uh, industries where employees are paid in tips. So the restaurant industry, believe me, I worked in the service industry, servers and bartenders are getting fucking screwed over left and right. And and, and, and just a little bit about that, Brian. So if you ever take yourself for our listeners and people who listen to this podcast, even folks who listen to this podcast just to hate on us. Um, if you go to like. Let's just say, let's use Europe as an example. Just uh, Finland. Finland is an example. I, I went to Finland in uh, 2010. And one of the things that the locals were like there, my friend who, who's a dual citizen of the United States and Finland, so he's familiar with both cultures. Uh, and he was like, you know, we don't, we don't need to tip any of the service at this bar because they're paid a living wage. And, and you're not expected to tip them because the service are paid a living wage. Well, you fast forward to here and you know move back to here across the pond, the United States of America, and one of the reasons why you know these servers and stuff like that rely on tips so much is because of their survival. Because the restaurant industry has lobbied local and federal government to to keep the minimum wage for 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 restaurant workers extremely low. And then just think about that, Brian, the minimum wage. Like that's just like. It's kind of like that Chris Wright joke. The minimum wage is basically like, I'm going to pay you so little that the, that the fucking government has to step in and be like, all right, buddy, this is about as low as you can go. Because if you go lower than that, then you know, you're basically like it's slavery and exploiting people. Uh, so they just, they have to make a minimum, federal minimum wage. And, let, and let's be clear about it. The federal minimum wage is shit. It hasn't been raised since 2009 when Bush was president. So that's about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, once we get to 2024, so it's about to be it's about to be 2024 soon. So that's the last time. So it's seven dollars and fifty cent if you work a full time minimum wage job. That's fucking nothing. And like Chris Rock said, this this business owner, this capitalist, this owner of this corporation is like, I'm gonna pay you as little as possible that the law has to step in and be like, all right, buddy, stop. That's it. <laughs> Can't pay him any lower. But if they could get away with it, they would. And we lived in a time 
like that called the Gilded Age before the Great Depression where workers people work 10, 12, 16 hour days and got paid pennies on the dollar and the corporations laughed all the way to the bank shout out to uh, J.P. Morgan Chase <laughs> shout out to Carnegie named at the Carnegie Hall Rockefeller <laughs> the real the captains of industry you know they were the they were the original monopoly owners and this illegal wage theft is way, way, way more common than people think. Of course, naturally, since businesses own the media companies, they're not going to show you news of businesses screwing over their workers. Um, but we'll share this study, which uh, states that uh, millions of workers are paid less than minimum wage at significant cost to taxpayers and state economy economies. The total wages stolen from workers due to, due to minimum wage violations exceeds $15 billion each year, billion with a B. Workers suffering minimum wage violations are underpaid an average of $64 per week, which is nearly one quarter of their weekly earnings. This means that victims who work year-round losing on average $3,300 per year and receiving only $10,500 in annual wages. So, you know, when you're living to paycheck to paycheck like so many of us are, that's, you know, a hundred, you know, 64 bucks. That makes a big difference. That's, you know, groceries and medical, you know, shit that you had to buy and things like that. And so that's just the illegal wage theft, which is all too common. Then we have to think about just not paying your employees fairly, which is perfectly allowed in a capital system. And again, this is back to why I'm attacking the structure that allows it because, it's perfectly legal, no matter how profitable the company is, for, an, a, a, you know, a company could be making billions of dollars in profit like McDonald's and then pay their fucking employees minimum wage while the CEO is making $30, $40 million a year. How the fuck is that moral? How is that fair? I know it's legal, but slavery was also legal at a time. So it's, it's you know, that's the type of criminality, I would call it criminality, um, evilness that exists but isn't even you know touched on is just and, and, and think about it this way if if you were on an island let's say you know you had 20 people get stranded on an island and then you all you know started having to work together um, to build different things collect food what if there was somebody who just you know took 90 percent just ate all the fucking food that everyone else gathered you would collectively get together and kill that motherfucker well, guess what? The Earth is a fucking island in space, and we're all fucking here together on this trip together, on this spaceship or together. So we do have to work together to get these things done. And a billionaire is just a fucking leech. All these business owners. That, and you know what? To be honest, I bet you 95% of businesses operate this way where they don't pay their employees a fair share of their earnings they received. So it's it's all, you know, it, and it's it's so common because we're we're trained, we're brought up in this business environment where oh, it's cutthroat, and if I can get away with it, I will, you know. And so you have, it's it's all too common that these fucking assholes who run these companies don't do any more work, probably do less work, but do, definitely don't do any more work than the average worker, and yet they're taking a majority of the profits. And that's another thing. I mean, let's be honest. There's no way. Jeff Bezos is working a hundred billion Ryan, times they harder work a than million, the They Amazon work a billion times harder than me and you put together. <laughs> and the problem is you're buying that Starbucks coffee. You're, you're going, you went on a fucking vacation. See, you need to save every penny and just work hard. They get up at 530 in the morning and they meditate and they read the paper. And then, you know, at 10 o'clock, they go to the office 
after a round of golf. Um, and then they're, they're, they're really <laughs> working hard in their boardroom. And then they got to go smooth some politicians and stuff like that. Some other, you know, famous people get their brand out there. They're, they're working very hard. They are the faces of those companies. And final, and it's really hard to fly in a private pl- plane, all right? You got to go to the airport, and you, you don't have to go through security and all this stuff because you got a special interest where you can just, you know, get on your private jet and, and fly anywhere you want to. But that's hard. It's tough. They work hard. All right. So we have step one of becoming a billionaire is having rich friends or family members and good connections that you can invest in. Then you um, buy up or, or merge or steal some good idea. Then you underplay your employees, both in legal and illegal ways. Um, and then the next step is to get around any kind of regulation. So we have, uh, you know, so-called d- democratic governments where we institute things like the Environmental Protection Act, where, you know, we we as a, a community, a, a country, as citizens decided, you know what, it'd probably be best if we don't allow companies to poison our water, poison our air. But as a business owner, your main goal is short-term profit. You need Your shareholders need to see that money going up each individual quarter. So you don't want to be dealing with pesky regulations that government that the government hands out. So you find different legal and illegal ways to skirt those regulations. Um, and we'll share a cool site. It was, uh, um, I think this was actually posted by the UN. And it was ways that companies try and get around environmental protection regulations. Um, and they list many different ways. There's being purposely vague or nonspecific about companies' operations and materials used, applying intentionally misleading labels such as green or eco-friendly, um, which do not have standard de- definitions and can be easily misinterpreted, um, implying that uh, a minor improvement has some major impact on promoting a product that meets minimum regulatory requirements is significantly better than the standard. Um, emphasize, emphasizing a single environmental attribute while ignoring other impacts. Claiming to avoid illegal or non-standard practice that are irrelevant to the product. Um, communicating the sustainable attributes of a product in isolation of brand activities. So, and this is most apparent in the the food industry and agriculture industry. Um, where, you know, you'll see on, you know, eggs or some product that you buy, we're like, oh, this is free range chickens. Well, when you look at the free range, it's a warehouse where chickens live, you know, billions packed in together and never get to see the light day. But hey, they're roaming around freely. (laughs) And it's, it's not just, you know, environmental regulations. It's you see us on Wall Street all the time where they'll do some illegal bullshit to skirt some kind of regulation. Um, So, you got to underpay your workers. You got to, you know, avoid or try and get around whether legally or illegal any kind of regulation that exists. Yeah, we got to talk about like in one of the biggest um, recent rays of deregulation was uh, when Congress um, in, in 2008 during the financial crisis um, supported rolling back the Dodd Frank Act um, regulations on small and medium sized banks. So, and also, um, Clinton's deregulation of the banks and removing the antitrust laws and also uh, FCC laws with the um, with the radio companies and that allowed like like if you play the radio the regular radio you'll fucking hear the same songs and shit like that the top 40 playlists and all that shit because Clear Channel and a couple other you know companies came aboard when deregulation happened they bought up all the competition and pushed the other competition out and then they became monopolies just like the banks they pushed out the smaller banks the community banks Big banks took over. 
They could do whatever they wanted to because they had less oversight. And it's this argument that regulation is bad for the economy. And there's billionaires love to push this. And they're lobbying Congress to do this because it's bad for you. Like It, it stops business. But in fact, <laughs> it, it protects the consumer. It protects the fucking environment like we talked about earlier. And also, it can be healthy for competition because regulations and laws and rules allow other businesses to thrive. Smaller businesses, mom and pop businesses. Um, but they can't just be completely pushed out by some big conglomerate. So like that piece of place you talked about, Brian, you know, it, it, if you deregulate things to the point where the corporation can do everything, Pizza Hut can come and buy out that mom and pop pizza place and be like, no, it's ours now. And Pizza Hut has far billions of dollars compared to that mom and pop store that's in Schaumburg versus a, a store, a restaurant chain that's global. Like I, I've had fucking Pizza Hut in goddamn South America <laughs> and Europe, so it's, we, it's, it's everywhere. We, we saw some in Jamaica we were laughing about, yeah. Yeah, like, or McDonald's. So it's like, come on now, like a mom-and-pop burger store can't glow up against a corporate monster like fucking McDonald's. So you have to have some checks and balances. Exactly. And so, and, and also, you know, we, we um, brought up underpaying your workers, but we forgot to mention, let's say... You can't, and not only, so what if you live in a country where the government requires you to pay, you know, workers a living wage? Well, we don't want to do that. So what we'll do is we'll send manufacturing to other countries because to other countries that don't have as good human rights laws on the books so that we can subjugate them even more. And that's why it was so funny to me when Trump was becoming president. He's like, I'm going to stop all these companies from leaving the United States. No, the fuck you are not, because these companies that are paying you to become president are the very ones that are shipping their manufacturing overseas. There's no way you're going to bring the jobs back because it doesn't make, you know, you're a big businessman. Then you know that businesses play this this capitalist game where they need to produce things as cheaply as fucking possible. So why am I going to make the product here in America where I have to pay the, oh, God forbid, I have to pay the employee $8 or whatever the fuck it is when I can, you know, send it to Mexico or, you know, Southeast Asia and pay, you know, pay them pennies. Um, and, and again, that goes back to why we want to change the structural nature because companies shouldn't be allowed to do that. Yeah, and there's a recent example of that, Brian. Personally, I, I knew um, the neighborhood I live in in Atlanta is uh, called Sylvan Hills. And when we first moved here in 2017, right across the street, when I say right across the street, I can look out my window and see it. It used to be a um, factory there. They made uh, Nabisco products. So part of the year, our, our neighborhood at that time, it would smell like vanilla extract. So it was a pleasant smell. Um, and I was like, oh, like, oh cause I, I, buy, I could buy stuff from Nabisco because I'm like, oh, it's this shit is literally being made right down the street. And they had other um, North American in, in the United States and Canada distribution centers. And, you know, 2020 happened. The pandemic happened. We, you know, we won't get into the essential workers and workers in a minute. But uh, the people decided to unionize. And they were, I even saw them doing walkouts and stuff and starting to unionize. And lo and behold, um, on Democracy Now! <laughs> and a couple other news sites, I heard that Nabisco was sh- shutting down their North American operations. Several of them, including out out in on the northeast and here in the southeast, and it was one the factory right down the street from me that does no longer exist because they knocked it down a couple of years ago. But they completely they closed down the factory. Obviously, all those workers lost their jobs, and they tore it down, all because those workers were probably unionizing for a fair wage to support themselves and their families. So that's what businesses do, and they shipped it down to Mexico, of course where they can, you know, pay off the officials there and pay the workers less money 
and 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 don't have oversight like OSHA and stuff like that. I think OSHA's good. You shouldn't fucking go to the job, and whether if you work in construction or any type of type of uh, job, and lose an arm and 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 be fucked for the rest of your life because now you lost an arm on the job. And then also on top of that, we have um, making products as cheaply as possible or even purposely making them to break. Um, We discussed that on one of our recent episodes um, already about planned obsolescence where you don't want to make something that lasts a long time because then there's you don't have returning business. So you purposely make it, you know, without interchangeable parts that, you know, people could fix and things that it in and you make it as cheaply as possible because you're trying to maximize profit. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of a common one that people are familiar with. You know, I'm sure everyone's heard about the story where like some mom and pop, you know, made some good high quality thing, but then you go to a chain store, buy it, and it's the same product, yet it breaks and it fucking sucks. Um, and then also what you want to do is try on your path to try and become a billionaire is you want to overcharge for products wherever possible. Now, there's some areas where you can't do that because of market forces. You have to compete with other people. But just like Lornette said, if you already have a lot of money, then you try and monopolize because once you monopolize and you're the only game in town, then you can charge whatever the fuck you want. And we see that happening with Live Nation and Ticketmaster. Back in the day, there were competition for, you know, different, you know, um, uh, box you know, office. What do they call? You know, bo- they call it box office. Yes, offices. yes, yes, and, and bookings and things yeah. like that. So they, so prices were down. Well, now Ticketmaster and Live Nation fucking own everything. So they're the only game in town. So they charge whatever the fuck they yeah, want. It was so crazy in say, the early two you thousands, know, like almost twenty years ago, Brian. You know, a concert I would go to, and I'm talking about seeing like some major stars, like A list musical talents and like you know uh, stand up comedians and stuff like that. It would be like I rock the bells. It was like Immortal Technique. Wu Tang Clan, um, some of like um, uh, Nas, um, some big big acts and stuff like that. I, I paid like thirty dollars for those tickets. If they have some show like that nowadays with like the top names in hip hop or uh, rock music or or pop music, you know, I heard this summer. This summer is a prime example. Uh, Taylor Swift and Beyonce were on tour, and there were people who were dropping like a thousand dollars to fucking go see fucking Taylor Swift and Beyonce now. And I saw fucking like Sade, who's a pop star. In in the 80s, she was on, like, you know, not Beyonce level or Taylor Swift level, but she was pretty popular, pretty famous at the time. And I saw her, like, in Chicago in 2009 for, like, or 2011 for, like, $100. And that was, like, good sheets of, seats at the show. And this is, like, a, you know, iconic singer. Where nowadays, that same show would probably be, like, $1,000 you go to. And you're, like, paying, you're in the nosebleeds for $1,000. So you can see Beyonce, but, like, you see a little dot on the stage. It's It's ridiculous. Even I noticed that when I moved to Atlanta, just, like, the concerts were way more expensive and then that kind of became across the country and that that's going to happen more and more as we continue further into the decay of capitalism and there's going to be more and more monopolies and things i mean it's going to start happening too people are going to see with uber and lyft because they've pretty much cornered the market now where like taxi companies hardly exist at all and when they have that then they're going to start jacking up they already do brian like i oh i know oh i know i noticed that the difference of that in the fucking the last you know 10 years when they first started, how cheap Lyft was, and now they'll do like, mm-hmm. especially on holidays, they will price gals the shit out of that because they know like two. Th- I mean, it was a public good. I mean, p- part of me feels bad for taxis, but another part of me feels like some taxis were assholes and they wouldn't go to certain neighborhoods and they were they had racial biases. Even if these taxi drivers looked the same as the people they were being hateful towards, um, and then Lyft and Uber came along and provided the service. 
So drunk driving went down. And, there, and listen, Uber are not perfect because there's uh, histories of uh, sexual assault and harassment uh, from especially your women riders and stuff like that. Um, so that they, they, it's an industry that got to be dealt with. And that I don't think that really happened too much with taxis. It probably have. I, don't, I haven't researched it. I just know about Uber and Lyft nowadays because that's in the public sphere. But nowadays, yeah, they're on holidays and stuff like that. So the good is like drunk driving is down. People are being more responsible and just taking an Uber and Lyft if they want to go out and drinking with friends and hang out with friends, which is fine. I'm all for that. But now because they have the monopoly the market corner Uber and Lyft, they can upcharge. So if you're coming from the airport or it's a holiday or it's a night that people go out like Saturday or Friday night, they can be like, oh, we're going to you know do an upcharge. And you're paying $30, $40 to go you know, maybe a few blocks. It's, it's quite insane. Now, some people be like, that's great business. But like, if you, you know, if you're the only game in town, you can jack up your prices. And then you become the only game in town. You have no other choice. Who are you going to go with? Or you don't get anywhere. And that's, and God forbid we have a robust public transportation system because that's socialism in this country. So we don't do that either. So we're just stuck either driving our cars or calling Lyft and Uber. I also don't want to forget, too, I wrote a note about this myth of job creators. Um, and I just want to share this. This is uh, most of my sources for this episode were from financial institution, but this one was from Jacobin. So, OK, spare me, you know, one lefty. Um, Goddamn uh, comment. In this <laughs> but uh, I thought they described this myth of job creators very well. Um, so to quote from the article, it says, uh, so to say that capitalists create jobs is misleading. What creates jobs is simply the decision to employ productive resources and to hire people to work on those resources. But the resources could be used by workers to produce goods and services without the capitalists entering the picture at all. Workers or the broader public could collectively own and decide how to use product assets, as socialists argue. And we already see capitalist-free productions and job creation on smaller scales in worker-owned co-ops and sometimes on large scale with state-owned enterprises. What billionaires do in a capitalist society is hoard and control the means of production. So, yeah, this this myth that, like, we would all just be laying there hopelessly if this leader didn't come along and give us jobs— Guess what? We're human beings. We need to consume things in order to survive. So there's this need for customers. And naturally, there's going to be other people that'll come along and satisfy that need. Oh, you're sick. I'll learn to be a doctor so that I can help you. Oh, you need this or that. I, You know, there's this natural, since we're social creatures, we naturally feed and play off each other's needs and wants. So to act like there's some, you know, sent from God job creator. Well, that, that's I the whole Anne Ryan jobs. effect. You know, her, her, her ridiculous poorly written novels where like if all the billionaires just left the country everything would go to chaos i'm like no actually they can all go to space let them go to fucking mars i'm freeze up there um i think we down here on earth the, the peasants we will do fine we'll be like all right well shit let's do collective um ownership and co-ops and, and we'll, we'll 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 live like humans did for well humans have been around for 500 and 200,000 years um, capitalism has only been around as we know it. Capitalism as we know it, um, about maybe give or take five hundred years. So that means about almost two hundred thousand years. Human civilization and societies got along fine without some rich person owning all these resources and paying their workers pennies and being called a genius and a job creator because, like, I employ millions of people. 
even though I pay them slave wages. Shout out to Walmart. Shout out to Amazon. <laughs> that same idea breaks the 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 myth about you know a rising uh, tide will lift all boats. Say that being a billionaire is just you know something we can all aspire to, and we should all be billionaires. But that that doesn't look at our the the social communal nature of our existence it, it, it doesn't work that way the our our financial uh pool is you know it's a pie where if you take too much out of, out of one you know for one person then someone else isn't getting enough if everyone was billionaires there wouldn't be any workers like you ha- by being a billionaire that implies that there has to be some low paid worker that's doing the work for you if there wasn't if you were paying equally then you wouldn't have this person with that exorbitant amount of wealth so it's not something that we can all go achieve it's somebody who's hoarding you know resources and power and money and time from other people yeah and this is the, this is the thing too and we we can, and we and we're critical of the system because we live in the system but we're seeing the the end results of the system um you know, someone who, you know, my name, I'm 40 years old and um, I was born in the era that you know, Ronald Reagan became president and under his presidency, uh, that's when we saw a lot of um, deregulation and this whole, these lies about the job creators and then we, we got to get government, you know, we got to get government out of the, you know, your, your daily life, even though these same Republicans are like, we need to deregulate business, definitely loves to be up in, up in women's business when they decide to. If they want to have a baby or not, oh yeah, they're all up in your business then. And, you know that should just be between the woman and who she procreated. And let's be honest, maybe not even the father of that particular that potential child. You know, it's, it's up to her. She's got to carry that for nine months, or they have to carry it for not the the baby for nine months. So it should be their decision whether to keep it or not. And they, and, and women have and women has different reasons why they get abortions, and and and, and that's to be a decision. But these same people like we need to dig away like business. We need to get government out of there. Are all in people's business, or like gay marriage, like oh yeah, we can't let them be. They, if they get married, everything goes to shit. So they're they're in people's business all the fucking time. These so-called conservatives. But um, going back to um, we were talking about um, trickle-down economy, economics and deregulation, but we also need to talk about the fact that the workers <laughs> are the most essential part of any corporation or business. Like if you don't have workers, you can't sell your shit. You can't get your products out. No one's making your products. So I said earlier, like you have the the capitalist arguments or the libertarian arguments, like oh you 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 you're they'll be like Brian and Lornette, you're all talking about this socialism stuff from your fancy Apple computers and stuff like that. Well, you know that was court that was capitalism that made this made that computer. No, it was workers that made this laptop that I'm on right now. It's mer- workers that made this microphone that I'm talking to is workers who made my car is workers who built my fucking house. So the problem is, is we need the workers. We saw that during fucking the pandemic at the height of COVID essential workers kept the fucking nation run. They may not run America, but they make America run. So the people who are most important to society to keep society functioning are some of the people who are, you know, looked down upon or paid like scraps. But yet these folks are essential. Unless you want to start learning how to grow your own food and slaughter your own chickens if you want some meat, then it comes to essential fucking workers. And we'll sh- I'll share a couple articles. I don't really want to spend too much time on it just because I think the idea is so fucking laughable. I can't believe that people let the idea be pushed on them. But this this idea of trickle-down economics, it's laughable. It doesn't happen. Um, I'll share. This was in Business Insider. There was a huge 20-year global study um 
which completely demolishes the myth of trickle down and shows that rich are taking most of the, their gains from themselves. And the evidence is there in the math. Um, the richest 1% grabbed nearly two thirds of all new wealth worth $42 trillion since 2020, almost twice as much money as the bottom 99% of the world's population. And that's one of the examples where it, it sometimes it sucks to be right. Cause I remember when we did our episode about the pandemic way long ago, I remember one of our main messages was that capitalists always use crises to, to, you know, power grab and money grab. And, you know, it's, it's came to fruition. Um, and so, you know, sucks to be right sometimes. Um, but okay, so you got a successful business, you're underpaying your employees, you're making cheap, shitty products, then you start monopolizing, and you b- buy up smaller businesses with your extra wealth that you have because you are underpaying your workers. So then you buy up those buy up those mom and pop shops. Um, uh, and then and then once everything's bought up, and you have a monopoly, you raise prices. Um, and then another successful tactic of monopolies is they they come up with different you know so there's a parent company that owns all these different businesses they keep unique individual business names so that you think you're buying you think there's competition and you think you have options when really you're buying this from the same company and this is no more apparent than anywhere but the or this is the most apparent at a place like a grocery store um we'll share a cool picture map that i found but it shows all these different products that you'll see at the grocery store they all have different names and logos and shit but when you get down to it it's like three or four companies that own all this shit and they're putting fucking corn syrup in goddamn everything um so you you buy when you monopolize you kind of you want people to think they have options so you create this this false reality where people think they're buying from different things but in reality all the money's going to you. Yeah, let me quote and this is from CNN not a leftist or this is a very mainstream corporate owned media conglomerate news organization. But the strength of monopoly is in ola 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 oh, oligarchies. <laughs> not all oh. oligarch oligarchies oh, it's, a, okay. it's like monopolies but oligarchies <laughs> uh, where a few corporations ah, god darn it uh, sorry a pop-up came up I'm trying to put it down alright here we go alright the strength of monopolies where a few corporations can rule the industry has come at the expense of smaller businesses and entrepreneurs they muscled out of competition and now the result of monopolies extractive business model the rest of the economy must battle um, the pandemic from the point of weakness. For the U.S. economy to cover from COVID-19, we must fight monopoly power. So many corporate giants like Facebook, Amazon, Google have attained their dominant positions through years and large part of anti-competitive acquisitions and conduct that violates antitrust laws, not purely by competing based merit. So this is the thing. So even like these capitalists will always be like, oh, it's about competition and competition. But a monopoly is the, the definition of anti-cap, uh, anti-competition because it's just one big one game in town and they own every fucking thing. So there's not any competition. There's no no need to compete because they're the only game in town. So it's like, well, what the fuck? Where else the fuck you're going to go? So we can have the shittiest service. But if you only can go to Lowe's or Home Depot to get your home home supplies and shit like that, well, they can have shitty ass service. But like, where else are you going to go? You got us because they're monopolies. And if they had like smaller mom and pop stores and stuff like that selling that shit and, and other business owners, so that's what really makes, makes me mad about the so-called entrepreneur rise and grind type of people on, on social media. Like, oh, I'm a capitalist and I'm an entrepreneur. Like, 
you're thriving, but you're like you're you're thriving for this idea of capitalism that doesn't exist. Because if people were real capitalism, they will buy your fucking little piss at company out and put you out of business and fucking uh, and make way more money than you. They might give you a few dollars and you think you can be balling out, but they're gonna make way more money with your shit. Or they'll just buy at your competition completely and leave you in the poorhouse. So, you know, small businesses, we not I don't have a problem with small businesses and business owners and people, you know, selling, you know, a product or open up a restaurant or anything like that. We're talking about monopolies and corporations and billionaires, the people at the tip of the top of our social um, hierarchy in this country. All right. So you got your monopolies, you're 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 monopolizing, you're raising prices. What's the next step when you got a shit ton of money? Well, we brought up earlier how sometimes the government can be very pesky with its regulations, environmental protections, things like that. So your next step is, and also you're looking to expand at this point, because it's not good enough to just operate in one country. You need even more money, so you need to start operating internationally. So what do you do in that case? Then you got to start buying politicians so that you can control what the governments do to benefit the whim of your business. So you fund, you want to buy politicians for many reasons. You need to change tax laws. Um, I don't know, Lornette, if may, maybe do you want to talk about the Panama Papers? I mean, um, basically what, what the uber wealthy, what the Panama Papers show that basically um, they were using tax laws and loopholes and things to sh- store all their money in offshore accounts so they couldn't get taxed the proper amount. But Yep, so it was basically like they were just like creating, they had these tax havens and and in these shell companies so they wouldn't get taxed by the government so they can hide all their money so this is very <laughs> so what they the documents show a myriad of ways the rich can exploit secretive offshore tax regimes 12 national leaders among 140 politicians their families and close associates from around the world have known to be known to have been using offshore tax havens uh, this is from the guardian um and a total of two billion dollar trail leads all the way to Vladimir Putin, because they got to talk about Putin, the Russian president's best friend, a cellist called Sergio Rove. I'm not gonna say his last name. Is the center of the scheme, which money from Russia states banks is hidden offshore, and some of it ends up in ski resorts where Putin's daughter, uh, Katerina, got married. But this isn't just um, Putin. It's all it's the prime uh, prime minister of the UK, um, American politicians, American uh, business owners. And some of the tax havens are Bahamas, British Virgin Islands, Panama, Seychelles in um, Africa, and countries such as the United States, uh, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Hong Kong, all their rich people kind of hide their money <laughs> in, in, these, in these places. And this all, like I said again, the economy is a pie. So them hiding all this money, this money should be money that we are taxing so that we can use on things to fund our schools, our roads, our health care, that they're denying us because they're trying to keep it so that they can buy a fourth fucking yacht for their fucking great, 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 great grandchild. And um, it, it's, a, it's a significant amount of money. I mean, I'll share CNBC. They said they had this article, the wealthy may avoid $163 billion a year in taxes. And so, you know, I, I think Immoral Technique has that cool line too, where it's uh, what's good, what's good is a law if you can't rewrite it. 
So you got to start buying. If you want to be a billionaire, you start got to start buying off these politicians. So one, you can change the tax laws to meet your whim or so that you can create loopholes or that you can just tear it down. You know, Lornette brought up like Glass-Steagall Act got tearing down and stuff. That's all because um, businessmen, you know, billionaires use their influence over politicians to um, get rid of all these regulations that we had in place to protect regular people. So now they can just keep stealing all the money. Um, you also want to buy politicians so that you can deregulate your industry. We're seeing that happening. The Environmental Protection Agency just keeps getting keeps getting defunded, and it's barely operating at this point. And that's because businessmen paid off politicians to purposely get rid of it so that they can just start throwing their waste wherever the fuck they want. Um, you want to buy off politicians so that you can get them to privatize public services. You basically see this on an international scale with the IMF. Where, you know, they'll, they'll go in and say, oh, you know, your country is billions of dollars in debt. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll um, you know, we'll, we'll cut some of that money if you agree to take national services like utilities and things that are publicly funded and sent and put them in the, in the pockets of private corporations. So that way you can make even more money. Um, you want to fund politicians so that you get lucrative government contracts. This was a huge deal with things like the Iraq War, where Dick Cheney sat on the board of Halliburton, had stocks. Then he gets the government to, oh, you know what? We just blew up the fucking country. We want to build our own oil rigs there. We'll hire Halliburton to do that for us and give us, you know, and give them billions and billions of dollars. Um, and you see this with all kinds of industries all over the world where these government contracts are insane. Like I remember reading in the book about Blackwater, which was like a mercenary group in the in the Middle East, how, you know, they're paying their their fucking mercenaries hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's all on government money. So they're basically rather than paying for the things themselves with their own, you know, money that they generate and profit, you know, let's keep our profits and then just use the government funds to to then build our business. And another uh spin off of what you're talking about is that the people who are so-called regulating these businesses within the government, these companies in different industries, actually come from the industry themselves. So it's that revolving door. So they'll go work for the government for a few years and try to regulate the industry that they come from. And then they leave the government, go work for the industry, and vice versa. And the biggest prime example, and we're going to, talk, we're going to beat up on uh, Joe Biden because um, the Democrats, you know, the media portrays them as the good guys, and, and they're really not. But the current defense secretary um, used to work for Raytheon Industries. And Raytheon Industries, for the people who don't know, is a weapons contractor. Um, and this, this the, 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 the defense secretary used to be a general in the, in the, in the Army. So that's how, he, that's how he was able to get such a comfortable position on a corporation, uh, which is in the business of war. And he was a general, so he commanded troops. So it seems really interesting that, you know, you can come from the defense industry to regulating the defense department. And people are like, well, they have knowledge of that. But I'm like, you shouldn't you should not be in charge of regulating the industry if you if you're going to work for that industry or you come to work for the industry. Because guess what? When this administration, you know, if Biden loses in, in this year coming up in 2024 or if he wins somehow and he and he leaves office in 2028, um, if we still have an America at that time, um, that guy will probably go back and work for Raytheon, and I'm pretty sure he still has shares in Raytheon. Uh, if you're a, if you're if you become a public servant for an industry, like you, there need to be laws where like you you lose your shares, you're cut off from that industry because it seems like pretty suspect 
to have people who come from the industry all of a sudden go work for the government and they're regulating the industry. Because, of course, they're going to fucking turn their nose and be like, oh, well, we can't do that. And the reason why the Panama Papers are so successful, well, the fucking government keeps cutting the IRS or they're coming after your $600 fucking cash app um, uh, transfer versus billionaires who are hiding money in offshore accounts, then, you know, they can, you know, get away with this shit. So it's like perfectly legal, but it's fucked up. And if me and you did it as regular people, we go to jail. They call it tax evasion. But rich people do it. It's called offshore accounts. Yep. It's called smart business. Why not go work for the government that regulates your industry and then once you get at that, that sweet government gig, you can turn it turn your head or get your company government contracts that Brian was talking about earlier. So it seems like a win win for everybody. The businesses and the corporate the government and corporations. Some of the libertarians are always like we beat up on libertarians quite a lot because it's fun to beat up on them because their political philosophy is fucking stupid. But when they're like, <laughs> Oh, it's the government just the problem, it's the government, it's the government, government. The fucking government and business are in bed with each other, and they're and they're and they're making babies <laughs> that grow up to fuck us all. So, so, so they're 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 having an affair. They've been in bed with each other since day one. Business and corporations work hand in hand. The corporations own the business, and the business and the, and the, and the, the corporations own the government, and the government does the corporation business. Hence, why you can have people nine eighty percent of Democratic voters. Joe Biden's the so-called base. Support a, support, um, a ceasefire and ending this war, ending this assault on Gaza. And yet, Biden's like, no, nope, fuck a ceasefire. <laughs> we'll do it for a couple days. But it's back to like, you know, Israel has the right to defend themselves. Let's keep the bonds dropping. Why? Because he doesn't give a shit about his base. He gives a shit about those needy defense CEO contractors who want to sell their weapons to Israel to blow up more pe- poor people. Well, and that's a perfect example. So the another main reason as an owner of a multinational corporation is why you want to buy politicians is that so you can start wars and go take the shit that you want when you want it. Every single war in human history is because the money interest were able to profit from it in some way or another. And Gaza is the, and you know, what's going on in Palestine is the perfect example because it's portrayed as this like religious war. And that's happened countless times throughout human history. The Crusades, whatever it might be, it's always portray, portrayed as some, oh, you know, these just religions just couldn't get along, so they killed each other. No, that's religion is just the tool that the powerful use to get the little people to fight on their behalf. What's really going on is it's a struggle for power. You know, I, it reminds me. I always bring up this band on this podcast, but Enter Shikari has his lyrics in one of their songs where they're, you know, singing from the perspective of the businessman. And the line's something like, um, when our banks stagnate, we'll use rockets to make sure it's our bottom line that gets carried to the high seas. And that's what it is, is that if you own this company and you want some natural resource or something, you can't. You know, if you don't have a military, you can't, you know, it's over there. It belongs to those people. You want a military so that you can go take it. And at the end of the day, that's what all the world's militaries are just big gangs that just are fighting over territory, just like gangs in the streets of Chicago fight over street corners for territories. The U.S. military is doing it on a large scale to make sure that it's the bottom line of the corporations that support them, that they can just keep doing whatever they want and taking whatever they want. And, you know, you see you, you see stories coming out now with Gaza. They want to build a canal through there. They want to do all this and that, build different things here and there. It's always money. It's always these every single war in human history had the richest people in the country. They, the wars only happen because rich people profit from them. 
Well, I like the uh, this Immortal Techniques song, speaking about artists. And uh, he's got a song called Rich Man World. And the intro to this is like always one of my favorites. Uh, for all my free market, healthcare robbing, stock stealing, retirement fund fucking with niggas. Fuck you, little credit card scamming, jewelry stealing, crack selling, liquor store robbing motherfuckers. Shout out to my homies Carnegie, the OG really wound off hearse, Farouk Rockefeller, the real Rockefeller, my main bitch Leona, poor little Louis the 13th, Scott Rothschilds, Jack Abramoff, hold your hand, my Rothschilds niggas, my Rothschilds niggas, let's get this money. Yep. <laughs> I love that intro, man, because it's like, it's so true. It's like, yeah. And then just the, the chorus of this song, uh, I love the chorus too of this song. Uh, uh, you know my CEO corporate steeds is please. Overthrow government, overthrow governments overseas in the breeze. Politician in my pockets for a few hundred G's. So if I'm ever in court, my assets will never freeze. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fucking right. I love this song because I'm like, it's it's so fucking on point. It's just like, like all your 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 fucking little petty crimes. Like you go to jail for that shit. I'm rich. I ain't gonna go to jail. This is like people who think Trump is gonna go to jail. He was a fucking billionaire before he was even president. So he's a billionaire and was the president of the United States. That motherfucker's not going to jail. He'll be in court forever, maybe. And that's maybe. But he has, like, fucking attorneys and he's rich as shit. So he, he's not he's not going to see it inside of a jail fucking cell. And all the people who think he is is like, you're stupid. He's rich. Rich people don't go to jail. Poor people do. If we stole some money, Brian and I, we fucking go to jail to get the book thrown at us if we get caught. That's a good point. It's not the politicians. They're not just buying off the Senate and the House. They're buying off city councils. They're buying off judges. Everyone in the government apparatus. And in addition to the government, they're also making sure to buy up all of the media so that they control the propaganda. I touched on earlier about how they use the media to create this illusion that, you know, billionaires are common and it's just people who work hard and you can do it too. Um, They use it. And then I mentioned, you know, with like commercials, how they can do it to manipulate you. Um, They do it. They uh, they mostly do it through advertising. They either own the the company, the media company directly or they. Um, they make a major contribution in advertisement money. So then they say, hey, we're going to pull our money if you talk about this. So then they can control all the news that we get. They also use their media to sow, you know, culture war issues. So while they're poisoning our water, poisoning our food, they're saying, hey, look at this transgender person trying to play softball. Oh, my God, this is attack on our, you know, nation or whatever. Or, or critical race theory. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, and a couple of things I want to get in there. So um, the difference between 1970 CEO pay, discrepancy, discrepancy between CEO pay and the average worker. I meant to say this earlier. In the 1970s, it was about... 30%. So, um, and now it was like 30 to 70%. It was something like the gap between the CEO of a company and the average worker. Nowadays, the, the average gap between the CEO pay and the average worker is like by 300%. <laughs> so, like, you have to, like, they make as much, they, they their salaries are tripled. And then we're going back to kind of like the uh, corporations owning the, the, the media. We talked about this in our Freedom of Press episode. So we, we got a lot of episodes now, Brian. <laughs> but we talked about 1983, the year of my birth. Um, it was about 100 different media companies. Uh, 100. That's a lot. And that's the 80s. This is before the age of the internet and everything. And now, fast forward to like modern day times, like 2024. Well, 2023 now. And it's six companies. Six multimedia companies that own all our media. Disney's one of them. Comcast is another one. Um, and I think it's a couple more. So they monopolize the media. So you think you're getting fair and biased news. 
fair and balanced news or unbiased news, <laughs> just check out the Washington Post. They always get some. You know, the Washington Post had a, a fluff piece during the Bernie election being like, if Bernie becomes president, his tax, his taxes, a little bit of taxes he was talking about raising because it was like really chump change on the super wealthy. It would hurt the black billionaires. All five of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't feel bad for a, a black capitalist or a white capitalist. If you show me a capitalist like Malcolm X said, I'll show you a bloodsucker. <laughs> so, you know, I hope we I hope you understand. So when people say things like eat the rich and, you know, fuck all billionaires, it's because everything we just mentioned, they had to do Every single one of these things to become that situation. They're underpaying their workers. They're monopolizing. They're, you know, funding our politicians. Every single war because of billionaires. The reason we don't have health care, billionaires. The reason our education sucks, billionaires. And again, I'm fighting against the structure that allows somebody to obtain that much in the first place. Because, you know, according to our laws of society, being a billionaire is perfectly fine. It's perfectly legal. Yet, despite this, it being legal, it's just like when slavery was legal. It's it's a criminal enterprise. It's a criminal way of doing things. It's a life-destroying way of doing things. So, and, and you know, I kind of think the evidence is in the pudding, too, when they start doing, um, we've mentioned this many times before, so I'm not going to get too into it, but billionaires are fucked in the head. They, they've done studies where, you know, the, the richer you get over 100K, you have trouble recognizing emotions and trouble reading people's um you know, mannerisms and things that you literally start to lose your connection to other human beings. Uh, ultra wealthy have extreme rates of narcissism and, and you know, being psychos and shit. And it's because it's you have to be. You have to not give a shit about your fellow human being and only consider yourself to even get in, in that position in the first place. So that's, you know, why we say eat the rich, you know, fuck these people. They're destroying our lives. They're, they're literally the source of everything that's wrong with us. And it's not them as individuals. It's the system that allows them to get created in the first place. Yeah, because the system like this that we currently have allows someone like Jeffrey Epstein, who was able to get away with what he did for so long. This motherfucker was trafficking children. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, like, they made that court trial, you know, this is how the media, evil the media is and stuff like that. So like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, that was like public, you know, consumption. Look at this, you know, these rich people who are beefing with each other and stuff like that. And not to say that what Johnny Depp, how he treated her was like pretty fucked up. Um, and, and if if we want to say that that lady's crazy, it's because Johnny Depp was fucking abusive to her and, and drove her to that point. So personally you know, I think they were both to... crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I think Johnny Depp kinda of made her made her made her made whatever crazy she had, like amplified it. But anyway, I digress. He's got more money than her. Well, yeah, yeah, and he's and he's a man, and he and he's like he's been in Hollywood far longer than she has, so she has he has more power than aspect. But we that, that whole aspect, that whole trial was put on TV for public consumption. But Epstein, and and then the Jelaine Maxwell, I think that's how you say her name, or Jelaine Maxwell. Who gives a fuck? She's a fucking maniac. Yeah, but anyway, but they, they made that they made that closed to the public. Yep. Why? Because she could have implicated all these rich and powerful people. People in our government, people in these CEO boards, because fucking Bill Gates was hanging out with that motherfucker. Wasn't Elon hanging out with that motherfucker? Trump was. Trump, yeah. Bill Clinton was. Fucking Hillary Clinton has pictures with him. Fucking Harvey Weinstein was hanging out with him. Hillary Clinton was hanging out with Harvey Weinstein. You think she didn't know he was fucking all these people literally and figuratively while he was fucking over uh, Miramax films and shit like that? Of course. It's a big club and you ain't in it. 
Yeah, like Jeff, uh, like George Carlin said, it's a big club and you ain't in it. So like that's the that's the problem with these fuckers. Like, and then also on top of that, they're billionaires are the real welfare queens. So ever since we talk about Reagan, he's the one led to this deregulation and saying the 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 government is not the solution; it's the problem. And that's the funny thing coming from Reagan. So I'm like, why the fuck are you the president then? Why not fucking be an actor? Why didn't he just stay a shitty actor or go run some company and go sell guns or some shit? Because it's the same hustle. We're gonna we we love business and we're gonna get in the government and we're gonna deregulate the business and you're gonna pay us under the table and we're gonna make you look good. So when we retire from our public service jobs as civil servants, because that's what the president and all these politicians and people who work for the government are supposed to be. But yet they somehow always end up getting real wealthy. Like Obama, when he started becoming ran for president, he made a good salary. He was, you know, upper middle class. But now he's basically a fucking billionaire. How the fuck do you go from just being regular upper class to like being a billionaire after being the president for eight years? I wonder why. Did you do a lot of favors for these corporations when you were president? I, I think so. That bailout of 2008 that he continued, that Bush did, Bush started, and Obama didn't come in and be like, oh, you know what? We ain't, we're going to fucking throw these fuckers in jail. We're going to bail out the people. Like Iceland No, he did. bailed out the corporations. Yeah, like Iceland did. So people are like, oh, we can't do that. That's socialism. Iceland did that. Mm-hmm. But we, we can't do that? Fucking little ass Iceland? Maybe because they actually care about their people. And our, and our country does not care about the regular everyday people. Um, and then... And then um, Was there anything else you wanted to add before we get into solutions? Well, we talked about the welfare clean queens. We talked about kind of the... the and also one thing with the media too. And this has been going on in American culture for fucking so many, uh, over uh, well over a century. The social Darwinistic idea is that somehow rich people are inherently better and pure and gooder, and that poor people are just poor because they didn't work hard, they're lazy, they didn't try hard enough. They, they it just you know, but it's people who are rich are just you know this this whole thing idea that the rich are good and, and the poor are bad is ingrained in our culture and it's been that way. And and it's also that the rich people own the media; they can paint themselves. As saints, so it's kind of like going back to brother Malcolm said back in the '60s, is if you watch the news long enough, they'll have you loving the people you're supposed to hate and hating the people you're supposed to love. So in this country, we despise, we we worship, and 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 put rich people and especially billionaires, even if they're idiots, we make them fucking president like Donald Trump, and we worship them because they're rich and somehow they're apparently good and like we know throughout Donald Trump's history. In his father's history of racism and sexism and fucking raping people and all this shit that he's done in his life, that he's not a good person. And yet we made him president because like, well, he's rich. He's smart. He must know how to do things. And the motherfucker doesn't, he can't name a country on a fucking map. He doesn't know, probably doesn't even know where fucking Canada is at. It's somewhere there on the map. I don't know. It's not America. He probably can't even point out the United States on the map. And <laughs> a fucking New Yorker says New Yorkers only know where New York City's at. <laughs> <laughs> I know where Manhattan is. <laughs> um, I know where Manhattan's at. In Milargo, I know where Florida's at. That's my favorite state. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. They have alligators. They like hamburgers just like I like hamburgers. It's, it's a match made in heaven. And just one last thing too, I want to add before we get into solution is, you know, I'm not because then you know if you talk shit about rich people, you're like, oh well, you're just lazy and shit. I, you know, I, I respect people who work hard. If you have some dream you want to obtain and, you know, the riches that come, like, good for you. I'm fucking happy for you. Like, and I, you know, in all situations, I think we all like, if we're all working on something together, we all like 
you know, people to contribute and things like that. But all we're fucking saying here is pay your fucking workers. Don't fucking use your influence to try and fuck over everyone else so that your little business can profit even more. Because that's the other thing is I can think of many examples of, you know, my, uh, my old neighbor who used to run a plum- plumbing company is very successful. I mentioned that, you know, the pizza place in Schomburg. These are all people who are living good lives. They're well off. They'll be able to retire. They'll have all these things. And, that you know, that's fine. I have no problem with it. It's to get to the extreme wealth of a billionaire. You had to do so much fucked up shit to get to that point. So that's really what I'm attacking here. It's not, you know, I'm not saying everyone should just, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't have billionaires, so everyone stay in bed all day. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're we're talking about the structure that causes this extreme wealth and the, to the detriment of everybody else. Yeah, the existence of billionaires creates the economic inequality that we see in the United States. And whether we want to believe that or not as Americans, it's just that we're propagandized through our media, which is controlled by these same billionaires. So I can drive through the city of Atlanta today. I can take I, any city. If you live in a city or small town, just drive around it and look at some of the poorer parts and, and even some of the more well-off parts and see see the amount of homelessness, see the amount of desperation. See, you know, see people out of their heads talking to themselves because they're either strung out on drugs or something like this, um, or just like mental. They don't have a place to go because, like, we don't have any mental health care in this country because universal health care is socialism, apparently. Um, so our problems stem for this wealth inequality that we could have a more compassionate society, but we don't because a few people at the tippity top stand and make a few more bucks. And even if yeah, so let's get into our solutions. <laughs> All right. Um... So, um, the first thing I, you know, so what we want to do is change the structure so that billionaires don't exist in the first place. Um, so one obvious answer is tax them out of existence. Um, we should have tax levels exceedingly higher when you start, you know, getting over a million dollars a year or whatever we had to start. Cause what that'll force them to do too, is if they know they're going to get taxed, then that'll make them force them to start reinvesting the money back in their company. So instead of keeping the profit for themselves, they'll start paying their workers better. They'll start, you know, increasing the quality of their products. They'll start increasing the quality of the working conditions for their employees. So close tax loopholes, shut off all these fucking tax havens that they can go to. I personally would also start making some kind of laws saying that you can go manufacture in another country, but we're going to tax you so much that you might as well just stay here and, you know, pay your employees in this country to, you know, if that's what these, if these presidents really loved America the way they claim to do, they would do shit like that, but they fucking dope. What else can we do, Arnett? Um, Make antitrust laws to break up these monopolies because every few months or every few years we see some major corporate companies merging with one another, and that just creates more bigger monopolies. And even if they'll say, "Oh, this this name is this, this company is under this name, this company is this name," you can go to a grocery store, and you can look and see all these different products. But if you really break it down, um, those products are all made by a few select companies that have a the corners market. So even Amazon, even Whole Foods, is now owned by Amazon. So it's not even like you're getting your your food straight from a farmer's market or a farmer. Like it's coming from some corporate farm because now Amazon owns it and they're going to maximize their profit. Um, we've seen two. Maybe, oh, sorry. Go um, so we've seen two. Um, I think Ben and Jerry's was a company to this that they wrote into the bylaws of their company that the CEO can only make so much more than the lowest paid worker at the company. 
And I think we need to make this a national law for all corporations. Decide on whatever you know percentage people think is fair and say that because then that's what you want is if you're in a corporation, you're all showing up to work every day. You're all contributing to the success of that business. One person shouldn't be making an obscenely, you know, the, the, the CEO of McDonald's should not be making $40 million when their workers are making minimum wage. Some of that money needs to go back into the business, back into the workers. Yeah, and the thing is, it could be just like what it was in the 1970s. Because it was still rich fuckers back then, but they made like 70%. Uh, I mean, they made like, it was like 1 to like 30% compared to like 1 to 300% at that, at that, at that, now what it is nowadays. So, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't like, we're not talking about, oh my God, this is so radical and so extreme. Like at one time we did, like, you know, it was a 90% tax tax rate on, um, on, the, on the wealthy in the 1950s in the United States. And when we didn't do, when we deregulated everything, let the billionaires do whatever they fucking wanted, we saw what happened. The Great Fucking Depression. Depression. And we had the roaring 20s, and I was only roaring for the rich people, and everybody else was fucking suffering. And then the Great Depression happened, and they almost tanked the economy and almost destroyed the fucking, the country as we know it. And it was some socialism that saved America and kept it afloat. The fucking uh, uh, New Deal. (laughs) So when all these, you know, and, and guess what the New Deal, it bailed out socialism for the rich, um, gangster capitalism for the rest of us. And so in order to accomplish any of this, we have to get rid of the revolving door um, between business and private interests, uh, or I mean between business and government. We can't have this revolving door, because, and we can't be allowing these businesses to buy politicians, because we can't claim to have a democracy when whoever has the most money wins. That's the exact opposite of a democracy. We're all supposed to each have a say, regardless of how much money we have. So we had to stop these billionaires from taking, which they've already done. I mean, that's why I don't have very much interest in electoral politics at all, because we're already past the point. The corporations have complete control over our Oh, yeah, once they, once they did so, Citizens United, that was that was the final, like, death right. nail. Yeah, that was they the death nail. Basically said your money is free speech. And that's another thing American people don't realize. I'm like, if your money is free speech, so someone who's a billionaire compared to like you who has a regular job, even if you're like a doctor or a lawyer and you might make six figures, you still don't have enough money. You don't still have as much money as a fucking billionaire. Like a billionaire, like he can buy you a million times over and still have fucking change left over for all his family and for like his whole entire community and still have a fucking few billion left over. So we're not even talking about like so-called successful well-off upper middle class people or middle class people we're talking about like billionaire class and and if their money is free speech then the reason why they want more money is because they get more power and more power means they have more sway over our natural natural national interests and it should be fucking illegal like i have no problem with people lobbying the government that's what a democracy is supposed to be the problem is if your money is free speech you don't need to lobby the government because you have billions of dollars you can just like donate to their campaigns and buy them off like that, that mortal technique lyric said, you know, I got your favorite po- I bought your favorite politician off for a few hundred G's. I support your campaign, but quid pro quo, motherfucker. You're gonna I did something for you, do something for me. Let's let me privatize this water in this community and then poison it. And I make all make all the money and you'll take you'll deal with all the consequences. Uh shout out to um Flint, Michigan, and there's lots of Flint, Michigans throughout the entire nation. 
And then obviously there's um, a lot of uh, these, if if we can't wrestle back uh, control of our government, then we have to resort to civil disobedience, direct action. We need to hurt these um, business. The, the only language these businessmen understand is money. So we need to start co- costing them money via boycotts, direct actions. I love what I'm seeing with um, the Palestine protest, how they're starting to um, form blockades where they're trying to ship weapons over to Israel. So they're going to the yep. ports, stopping these ships from leaving. That's fucking awesome. Like more, yeah, more, some more of these stock like for these companies that are investing in Israel are going down like Starbucks and McDonald's and stuff like that. Cause people are like, I'm not going to go there um, out of solidarity with the people of Gaza and Palestine. Um, so yeah, um, the, the boycotts work. Um, and, 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 it, and it's hard because nowadays with monopolies, sometimes if you're just a working class, you know, Joe, you ain't got no choice but to go to Walmart. Like that's probably the only place you can go get groceries from. Um, so we're not like shaming people and things like that. Um, but we, but we can't come for the motherfuckers who, who run these corporations and, and companies and make all this money and invest their money in horrible things like war and death. Um, also, um, bail out, don't bail out corporations. Um, so this is a funny thing about so-called capitalism. If you talk to one of these uh, libertarian types or one of these people who say they're capitalism, capitalists, they always like, oh, it's about competition and the free market and, and that, you know, if, if winners and losers. And it seems like every time companies and corporations fuck up, they get bailouts. You know, but if, if but if I was a regular citizen, fuck up, I'm stuck with these fucking student loans, and then I'll be told, well, you shouldn't have fucking took them out, and and you and you you basically pump it to a little kid's head that they got to go to college to be successful, or maybe what they want to do because they want to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer requires them to go to fucking school and get an advanced degree because that's what they want. They want to be a fucking scientist, but they don't come from a lot of money, so they take out a student loan, and then 18, like you know, your frontal cortex is still developing. And like I said, I was an idiot at 18, um, but I shouldn't have to pay for those mistakes. And also school shouldn't cost that much and it shouldn't be student loans. Education should be for the benefit of all, uh, not just like people with money. And that's what is slowly but surely becoming. Um, and then also we need to risk strict regulations. Um, I got an article uh, from Chicago Booth Business School, which is not a liberal institution at all the university of chicago but it's a great article i will share on our social media it's called why less regulation um isn't 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 necessarily better so it's hard to believe that booth school would be like maybe we shouldn't maybe regulations do have some some sense so this isn't like i said my brian said what his other uh, articles and stuff we'll share this isn't from like super left-wing leftist sites this is like coming from the horse's mouth, CNBC, Chicago Booth School, Forbes, saying that, yeah, there are some flaws in our system that we love to, you know, hold is holier than thou. And I think, so we just listed a bunch of like, you know, technical things that we can do, but I also think we need to start train changing our culture and how we view and think about wealth rather than thinking of, you know, these uber billionaires as something to, exp- uh, you know, uh, 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 or something that we're trying to be, that instead we look at, like, when we see a billionaire, we should look at them in disgust. When we see a huge mansion 
sitting, you know, and then we look and walk past a homeless person. That should disgust us. When we see somebody with a Lamborghini instead of being, oh, wow, oh, my God, you must have a good job. Wow, you're so attractive. How We should be like, that's fucking disgusting that you would blow all this money on a silly fucking toy when we have people starving in the streets. We need to remember we are not going to be billionaires. The The odds of you winning that lottery are extremely slim, extremely slim. And so instead of, you know, glorifying them, looking up to them, you know, think we should look at them like we look at any other kind of hoarder. If you walk into a hoarder's house and you see them piled with all this junk everywhere, it disgusts you. You think something's wrong with them mentally. That's true of billionaires. To hoard that much wealth and power at the expense of everyone else, that's a sickness. They're a sick person. We should look at it that way. It's the only area where if you hoard money, then it's, oh, we look up to you rather than looking at you with disgust and we should we need to start changing about that our culture and thinking more communally and cooperation our whole society is so out of whack both cooperation and competition are part of human na- are part of human nature it's whatever the environment and inf- reinforces and we have so- swung so far into competition we need to start getting back the other way and figuring out ways to work together and to cooperate because if we continue down this path of letting a few assholes ruin the fucking lives of everybody, we're running out of time because now we we got the added, you know, we always had war and genocide and things like that. Now we're adding on environmental collapse, which will really end all of us. So Yeah, and right at the time when they want to deregulate um, the EPA, EPA regulations want to get rid of more of those in the, in the age of climate change. Cause they they need more oil to drill and all that stuff, um, and then also we need to change our mindset and realize that none of this whole rags to riches story that we we are sold in the United States, um, in fact, uh, study after study has shown that this generation, you know, I guess starting with millennials, that will do worse than our parents did. Um, the average uh, cost of the average average medium cost of a house nowadays is four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. In 1990, it was about $160,000. That's a huge, huge, huge gap. And who can afford $400,000 home? My home didn't cost $400,000, but that's what they, they cost right now. So even to like get a house, not to mention that there's no rent control, so rent prices are out of, out of, out of pocket. Um, housing costs are out of pocket. And you wonder why you see a large amount of people uh, living in the street or living in their cars or couch surfing. Uh, because cost standard living is cost of living is going up, up, up. And this the craziest thing is human beings are the only animals that pay to live on the planet that we come from. <laughs> so we like to think we're so smart. Oh, humans, look, we're so advanced. Oh, look at these stupid monkeys. And look at us. We're so advanced. We got our corporations and our and our spaceships. And, and yet we're we're letting millions of people starve and die in the middle of the street because, well, they weren't born rich, Jack. And I got mine. Or I might, or I might be one day a rich. So I don't give a shit about those pe- poor people. Uh, one day I'll be rich. I just gotta work hard. And even if you do work hard, ninety-nine percent of you will never be a billionaire. It, very few Oprah Winfrey's in the world. Because it's mathematically not possible for there to be more than a few because of how our system's set up. So exactly. All right, you want to get into quotes? Yep. Um, so no one knows who really said this. It's usually a tribute to John Steinbeck, but he probably didn't say it. But um, someone said this. Socialism never took root in America because the poor see themselves not as an exploited proletarian, but as a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. 
All right. And <laughs> as I like to do, I, I have three because I like to stockpile for when I forget for other episodes. Um, so the first one is a tweet um, from Existential Comms is the name of the Twitter handle. And they said, what's funny about rich people complaining that poor people don't work and are a drain on society is that every rich person does negative work. That is, it takes far more work to accommodate their life and their labor than their labor could possibly produce. They are the real drains on society. Um, and then the other quote um, I saw um, in the book I read, The Devil's Chessboard, which is about the CIA. Um, and there was a quote in there that was actually from a novel called A Coffin with Demetrios. Um, and it's about someone getting assassinated for political means. Um, and the quote goes, my dear friend, Demetrios would have nothing to do with the actual shooting. No, his kind never risk their skins like that. They stay on the fringe of the plot. They are the professionals, the entrepreneurs, the links between the businessmen and the politicians who desire the end but are afraid of the means and the fanatics and the idealists who are prepared to die for their convictions. The important thing to know about an assassination is not who fired the shot but who paid for the bullet. And it's the, I think that applies to all aspects of our society. You know, individual people get blamed for these things, but really it's a structure in the ultra, that the ultra-wealthy create and rule over us. And then final quote, just wanted to end on some humor. Um, I initially saw this because my buddy Derek shared it, but he said that he found it from Ulornet. So whatever, regardless, the, the original tweet was from um, Elron Mexico is the handle. And he said... Uh, being a fan of a billionaire must feel like walking around a casino you don't own and hooting and hollering like a badass every time the house wins, licking the urinals, calling the trash cans, sh sir. <laughs> so I just fucking love that. Thought that was fucking hilarious. Because, yeah, you, it's weird. Like, worshipping billionaires, you're just like a weird little, you know, peon. It's such a, I don't know, it's such a Oh, yeah, like the, the online, like, worship of Elon Musk. I've seen I, I, people I've known and then, like, um, uh, I stumbled upon Facebook groups where like Elon Musk is like Iron Man. I'm like, no, he's fucking not. He hasn't made a super suit to fight crime. And this motherfucker hasn't even sent one rocket to fucking Mars yet. It's a fucking fantasy. If the fucking asteroid comes to Earth, the rich people will try to create some rocket and fly out into space. But they ain't got no place to fucking go. They're fucked like the rest of us because we're all stuck on this tiny little rock fighting for little pieces of land. Even though we should be out there exploring the galaxy and using our resources, collective resources, for more than just um, creating weapons and blowing each other up, but like, you know, exploring space, um, curing disease, and housing and feeding every little child on this planet. But um, the current system we have is just let's worship some guy with hair plugs and say he's cool. <laughs> exactly. So uh, hopefully we did a decent job of explaining why the very act of being a billionaire means you're a fucking evil asshole. Feel free to, you know, hopefully share this if you have some friends, relatives like that in your life. Hopefully this will be a good little, um, you know, hopefully we listed good examples for why um, billionaires, we should show them derision, not, uh, you know, admire them. So Just uh, play it at the Christmas parties at your yeah. jobs. <laughs> yeah. Especially you people who work in corporations. Especially for my motherfuckers who work at Goldman Sachs. Play, play all our fucking episodes there especially the ones where we're talking shit about capitalism yeah man um so thank you ev again everyone for listening please don't forget to follow us on twitter and facebook at q culture q u e culture there we share um information that we talk about on the podcast and if we ever forget something you know i, I we've mentioned we really just kind of do it at request because we get 
you know, we get busy and we don't want to post every fucking article we looked up. But um, so if we ever forget anything, feel free to reach out to us. We'll show you. We'll share the article or book or whatever we were talking about. Um, but definitely check out us out on our social media. Um, you can check out Lornette's blog, The Evolving Man Project, too, where he talks about topics from question culture and some other things as well. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it, like it, give it a review. We don't really do any kind of advertising or marketing or anything like that. So we're all word of mouth. So we'd appreciate any help we can get in that respect. Thanks again for listening. And remember to question everything. Everything. Any views or opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to Brian and Lornette and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that Brian and Lornette may or may not be associated with in any professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.